Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Browns analyst Nathan Zagura. He joins us now on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Welcome to the show, buddy. Great to be with you guys. And Dustin, welcome back from Montana. It looks spectacular. Thanks, buddy. I uh, listened to you guys Almost the whole plane ride from Bozeman yesterday. You guys sounded great. I love the Cavassier reference. <laughs> I've always thought Jerome Bogart reminded me of the ladies' man. He's the ladies' man referee, so I had to drop that in there. I was waiting all game. It was awesome. finally got it in. We haven't mentioned well, the referees you. yet, Nathan. Uh, is that just the Jerome Bogart special? Because, and I mean, I'm talking about both ways. There were a lot of really ticky-tack, weird calls on both sides of, uh, on both sides of it. Did, did you see it that way? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that their crew throws the most flags and the most flags on visiting teams. Um, and going back, look, the biggest flag of the day, right, was a no-doubter. Tony Fields, basically Goldberg speared their punter, and and that was a major turning point in the game, I think, uh, for the Browns. But, yeah, the pass interference on Denzel, I thought the defensive holding on Ronnie, uh, I thought there were a couple other ones that felt very kind of ticky-tacky, and certainly a lot of fouls that were called on both sides that had no impact on the outcome of a play. And so, yeah, I think there, there were a lot of flags there, but certainly not the reason the Browns lost uh, this game. It was kind of more self-inflicted wounds, unfortunately, that did result in flags in some of these cases. Nathan, let's start with Deshaun. I, I thought he played better this week than he did a week ago. Yep. Um, certainly made some, some plays that showed, you know, why the Browns went after him. Uh, not perfect, of course, and the interception sure. was, was bad, but I definitely thought he took steps forward. Did, did you agree? hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think that that was a game when you think about juxtaposed to week one against the Houston Texans, you saw a massive step forward and you saw, I think a lot of plays that showed why the Browns made the move they did to bring Deshaun Watson here. Was it perfect? No, there's still plenty of rust to knock off, but in terms of in rhythm, accurate ball placement, hitting guys in stride, big-time throws, the arm strength, accuracy, all of that. You saw it. You also saw his ability to make plays out of structure. I thought the pass that he threw to Donovan Peoples-Jones while he was being sacked to the ground about 30 yards in the air accurately was one of the craziest things I've seen. The busted screen where he has the wherewithal to roll out right ends up putting a defender in conflict. Are you going to stay on your man? You're going to come up and get me and picks up a chunk play down the sideline of Donovan Peoples-Jones. You saw why the Browns are excited about Sean Watson. And you're right. The interception, the ball was late there. He had that one open. There were a couple of misreads, I would say, on the all-out blitz. He had Amari Cooper right in front of him on a third and 13 that I think would have been an easy conversion and completion if he, if he threw it. But you saw a guy that looked much more comfortable 
mobile, um, certainly in the pocket, in structure, and and then what he can do out of structure. He, he has a chance to be a special player. We saw glimpses of that. Is he fully back yet? No, but you certainly saw things to get excited about for Deshaun Watson. Nathan, when you when you talk about that last part there, uh, the the glimpses. There were a lot more glimpses this week, as you pointed out, than against the Texans game. But like, what rust is there left for Deshaun to shake off? I think part of it is just you know understanding what you're seeing, your reads, trusting it, and and, and ripping it at times. I think there were a couple times where he was a little late because he wanted to see it open, and it's just kind of that you know the confidence that okay, here it is opening it. And yet people have to remember he's doing more under center now than he has at any point in his career. And I think so sometimes some of the rhythm on that play action game, you know, is still something that he is learning, but it, it's like anything, right? It's, it's trusting it. It's throwing it. It's getting on the same page with your wide receivers. I think clearly he is with Donovan Peoples Jones, eight catches, a career high, 114 yards for him. Uh, he and David Ajoku, I thought were in a good rhythm. He and Amari, I think have to get more in a rhythm, but Amari gutted it out yesterday, played through immense pain to be out there for the Browns. But I think that's really what it is. It's eyes, feet, being married, trusting what you're seeing, and, and not being afraid to rip the football. All right, so I've got three three parts here to this little okay. question. Ooh, okay. Like it. It's a three part. Why did Stefanski not challenge on the second down run where Deshaun appeared to get the first down? That's part one. Uh, part, All right, well, part, let me, we'll go. Let's just do them. We'll do them. We'll do instead of three part. We'll do three questions with Dustin Fox. Number here, one. Here we go. Number one. So, so yeah. how, how about the no challenge there? Good question. At the time when we were doing the broadcast, I thought it was a definite first down because right. he didn't give himself up. He went forward on it. And I think my guess would be this is not without knowledge, but if they say, if the officials deem a guy to have given himself up, which is where they spotted the football, that was their determination. I don't know if that's challengeable. Okay. If it was as simple as the spot itself, then yeah, absolutely. But where they put the ball relative to where he ended up going forward, it had to mean that they felt he gave himself up. And I think that's a judgment call that probably is not okay. up for video review. Gotcha. Okay. So then how about this? So Fourth down, you take Watson out of the game. I don't get that at all. And then also, you could have taken the points there, too. So there's your your, your two parts okay. to the question. All right. Here. So first one, bringing Jacoby. And, you know, you did it last week against Houston. He's been so good with the sneak. Everybody in the world thinks they're going to sneak. Last week, he hit him with the tight end sweep. So now they're worried, oh, what are they, what are they doing here? I'm with you. John Watson's your quarter of a billion dollar guy. Fourth down plays are your most important. I'd like to see him in there. I understand Jacoby's success in short yardage, and he actually did that for Miami last year in their winning streak. He would come in in those situations for Tua and, and had success doing it. I get it. You know, you could say from just watching the tape, did the play work? Yeah. Donovan Peoples-Jones was open. Jacoby overshot him. And I do think that's also a tough situation to throw, you know, a 25-yard pass and drop it into a bucket cold. I would I would think. Um, so the the thinking is, and, and he said in his press conference today from Kevin Stefanski was, Jacoby's been so good in those short yard situations. It gave us a variety of things we could do. That was a play we'd repped all week. We liked that play. We got the result we wanted in the sense that Donovan Peoples-Jones did separate going in the end zone. They just didn't hit the pass. Now the points, and this is something we talked about a lot today on Browns Daily. Jim and I talked about it during the broadcast. I think that, you know, you get into games and you say, we need sevens, not threes. And I understand that from a theoretical standpoint. Tyler Boyd goes out on the first series. T. Higgins was clearly not going to play. He played, I think, one snap on that opening series, and that was it. Um, it didn't have the feel to me that maybe it was going to be a shootout. And so you get a stop on their opening drive. I think it's so nice to answer with points uh, and, and kick that field goal. But you also believe you can get one yard. 
Now, in this case, you try to get a touchdown because it was a play-action pass. It's a tough call. It's outcome-biased in the sense that if it worked, we would have said it was genius, right? Nobody would be questioning it. But there's something to be said for Dustin, I think, getting the points there. And, and because it's a ripple effect, and you were listening in second half, you said on your way back yep, from, yep. from Bozeman, when we're down 23-10, to 10, if that was 23-13, to 13, then we're not going for a fourth and five. We're kicking a field goal. Now it's 23-16. to 16. Now it's a one-possession game. The pressure now shifts to the Bengals, I think, because this is a game that they feel like they should win. And so it becomes different. So I think there can be a ripple effect from that. And I, I like the idea of you stop them on the opening drive. You get down into their territory. You come away with three. You now have the lead after you've each had one possession. You defer to the second half. So you're going to get that little benefit there. It's just nice to have the lead because I can tell you in the stadium when they got stopped, there was a roar from the crowd and it felt like they had actually won something and the momentum went back to Cincinnati. So if it worked, obviously it would have been a killer, right? On fourth and one, you throw a touchdown. Oh my goodness, what a start for the Browns. It didn't work. And unfortunately in this game and you go back to Atlanta on the opening possession, similar circumstance, that field goal would have actually helped you, I think, significantly later in the game. Nathan, why are the Browns five and eight? Loaded question. I mean, wow. Coming That's in a, hot. It's, it, coming yeah, in hot. coming in big, big. I mean, I, Dustin had a nice three-parter. We were telling a story <laughs> here, and now you're just hitting me with a, a wide-open one. My answer to that would be little things have become big things for the Cleveland Browns, whether it's a blown coverage in week two against the Jets, whether it is a not failure to recover an onside kick, whether it's missed field goals against the Chargers or a turnover down in the red zone. It's just a lot of little things have added up to the Browns losing. In this one, for example, both touchdowns that were scored by the Bengals in the first half came after penalties extended drives. And it's just like the analogy we used is, you know, back in the home run chase of McGuire and Sosa, if they fouled it off and you dropped it, where's the next one going? You know it's going into the seats. And so they were able to score because they got a new lease on life that, that the Browns gave them. And I think it's those type of things. I think too often we have not played three-phase football and we have been on the wrong side of the critical plays. And you never know when they are. And it can be something like roughing the punter. When you force them, you force four punts on their first four possessions. And yet you weren't ahead, and that goes back to, again, not taking the field goal, right? Even though if it was only three, you'd like to be ahead more than that. But even if it was only three, you'd still feel like, all right, we're ahead right now. We haven't been great on offense, but we're still ahead. And then you have that roughing the punter. You would have gotten the ball around the 40. So I think it's a lot of little things and then not being on the right side of the three, four, five critical plays every game that ultimately determine outcomes. How do you clean it up? Or Man, can it be cleaned up this year? I mean, look, I think our playoff chances are less than a percent. So can it be cleaned up this year to what satisfaction? To finishing 3-1, and one, to finishing 4-0? Oh, absolutely. The talent's on this team. I think you saw it in this game. You saw the glimpses from Deshaun. You saw, I think, overall, a good defensive performance. Miles and Clowney were both spectacular in this game. So the Browns have the talent to do it. Will they? That's the million-dollar question, and I think that's the one that will plague this team. This is a... On paper, a better than a 5-8 and eight team, even with Jacoby Brissett, because the funny thing is he was certainly not the problem in the majority of those games. Did he play well against the Patriots? No, but the, they slumped us. For the most part, Jacoby Brissett played winning football for you. It's just a lot of little things that they've got to get cleaned up, and I think part of these four games now is obviously you want to go 4-0. You want to do everything you can if there's a path to the playoffs to follow it, but now it's about Deshaun getting him ready, identifying the guys on the team that – 
are the ones that you want to be in that new era. Much like I think Joe Burrow changed everything about Cincinnati, just his presence, his leadership, the confidence in the guys around him. That's what Deshaun Watson, you hope, will do for this team ultimately. And it's figuring out, okay, who are the guys, what are the pieces that are going to be there, and what are the pieces that we need going forward? Unfortunately, I think early in the season, you let things get away from you that have put you in the position you are now, but you still have a chance to go out there and win every game, and and that's what you got to do. We'll find out if they can clean it up. Because if they can't, you know, then I think at some point we can talk about, you know, players, well, they, oh, they just, they missed this assignment. They didn't execute here. At some point, there have to be consequences for that. And I think the consequences will come in assessing this roster going into the 2023 season. Nathan, is it just me, but the last couple of weeks with Deshaun, obviously the offense is going to change a little bit more sure. shotgun at times. And I'm just like watching Nick Chubb and I feel like he's more of a north-south guy, gets downhill and gets going. I, I just don't know the runs out of the gun with him are, are, are suited for him. So prior to prior to this week, I don't know mm-hmm. how this week has affected it. Nick Chubb was actually top three in the league, and for a while he was number one in the league in yards per carry out of shotgun and number one in the league in yards per carry with 11 personnel. So he had been effective, especially those shotgun runs. If you think about some of those kind gotcha. of sweeps yeah, yeah, across. Yeah. It just feels like he's just getting stretched out the last couple of weeks. What In this one, and yeah. I think this is something that you know we've got to address, is Yelda Froholt is giving it his all out there. He's our fourth string center. It was supposed to be Nick Harris, then it was Ethan Posick, Dunn was the backup, and then Froholt. Never played center in the league before. And I think in this game, you saw a couple of things. Number one, when we tried to run those stretches and get out there, we didn't do a good job of getting to the right side, the front side of DJ Reader. He blew up a lot of plays, and that came from the interior and the center into some of these plays. And then we didn't do a good job of reaching Reader, where we tried to use Jed Wills to down block Reader and then loop a Joel Batonio around. Reader wrecked a lot, wreaked a lot of havoc on us, and and it's no coincidence the Bengals with Reader on the field this year are giving up under three and a half yards a carry without him. They were giving up around five. He was dominant, but it's not just that game. You go to the Buffalo game, but what did they have in there? Froholt goes in, and Oliver is playing great football in the middle of that defense, and those people have really kind of harassed us and and and. St- stuffed a lot of what we're doing, spreading it out. And those teams also, both the Bills and the Bengals, have nickel and have very good nickel blitzers. And that's kind of what happened. Mike Hilton blew up a lot of these runs, and that allowed Pratt, and it allowed uh, their other linebacker, Logan Wilson. I think Wilson had 17 tackles to run free to the ball, and they were able to blow up a lot of our run games. I think you're right about Nick Chubb. He is absolutely at his best going north-south, but we have had success with these things early in the year, and even last week against the Texans, we ran the ball very effectively. This week, though, we did not at all, and and, and it's, it's definitely becoming a little bit problematic, and so we're evolving and I think we're evolving to more of a pass first offense when you have a quarterback with the talent of Sean Watson but there are some growing pains in that and I think you're seeing is your point that you know the ground game last week Watson's presence opened a lot of things up this week it did as well Watson himself ran for 33 yards and some big ones on some of the keepers and they even had a design run that got called back on a hold that was a nice play but we've got to get back to somewhat of our fundamentals in the ground game while also I think in these four games figuring out what it is that we are with Deshaun Watson Nathan, Kate York badly wanted to attempt a 68-yard field goal at the uh, end of the first yeah. half. Should they have let him? <sighs> I would say that 
the Hail Mary has a very small percentage chance of success. But if you actually go back and watch that one, the ball kind of did get through. Nobody was able to catch it. And then Watson took a vicious hit. I'm actually shocked that they did not flag a roughing the passer on that. If you go back and watch that, he got crushed at the end of that play. I think that your hope is, right, your best chance is to get a penalty and then maybe get a field goal on a Hail Mary, whereas a 68-yard field goal, it was cold there, guys. That would be a monstrous ball from Cade York. And we've had the problem of kicks getting blocked. And I think that that's a real risk that you have to account for, right? To hit it 68 yards, you have to absolutely drive the football. The worst thing that could happen right there is a block and it gets run back for a touchdown. So I don't know that the the percent chance of making it for three was worth that risk. And then you were hoping for either a free play or a miracle on the Hail Mary. I, I think 58 yards, absolutely. 68 yards, I don't know. That's asking a lot. Here's the thing. I totally agree with you. Here's the other thing. I really liked watching Kate York get fired up. I, I did too. I don't know why, but man, when he, I was like, let's do it. Bleep it. Yeah, We're going it, streaking. Put it on me. <laughs> he he was, I think he was actually, I think he was maybe even offended that he was not given the opportunity to kick a 68 yard. So I like that confidence and hopefully there will come some time much as last year when the playoffs for the Ravens, when they needed Justin Tucker from 66 yards to pull off an improbable comeback over the Lions, that we'll need a 66, 68 yarder from Cade York. He can say, see, I told you we should have done that in Cincinnati. So not specific to that call, obviously, but there was the decision to, to, to go for the points instead of. Uh, kicking the field goal in the first drive. There have yep. been other moments over the last couple of weeks where where it's left fans wondering, is this because they want to put points on the board or is it because their their trust is shaken in Cade York? Do you think we're past the point where maybe they're a little leery to go to Cade in certain situations? No, not at all. I think they have supreme confidence in Cade York. And, you know, Cade started off hot. I think he made his first eight field goals on the season, and then he had a little bit of a, a slump in the middle of the season and had some of those kicks blocked, and, and we've talked about that. But I think that the belief in Cade York is resolute, absolute, and, and no, I don't think they're doing it not to kick field goals. Cade's made, let's see, he's made his last three uh, the last two weeks. He's been three for three the last two weeks. He did have that miss against Tampa. Um, but, no, I think that there's belief in Cade York. They're not trying to not get field goals. I think it's just more of a strategy to be aggressive, and we've seen it all year, right? I mean, the, the Browns, I think 33 attempts on fourth down, which is the most in the league. That's just who – that's that's their personality. Now, we'd like our efficiency to be higher, obviously, but but – Right now, no. I don't think it has any reflection on Cade York. I think there's supreme confidence in Cade York's abilities. Nathan, this segment reflects very well on your abilities. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.